I've had the privilege of being in and around banking for more than 50 years. Lots of changes during that time. We've gone from ledgers to laptops, typewriters to technology. One thing, however, remains the same. Banking is a people business, and I'll be talking with those people that make banking great here on Jack Rants with Modern Bankers. Welcome to Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, brought to you by RelPro and Vertical IQ. Each week, I feature top voices in financial services, bankers, consultants, best-selling authors, and more. The goal of this program is simple. It's to provide insights, success practices, and to bring new ideas to the table that you can use to maximize your results. My guest today is a great longtime industry friend. He's Neil Stevens, president and CEO of Oconee State Bank. Oconee is a $550 million community bank in Georgia with six locations. Neil is a graduate of Mercer University and has served in various positions at regional and community banks for more than 30 years. Neil is a great innovative community banker. He's also written a new book, Leading Life on Life. One of the great innovations that Oconee State Bank has done is develop a studio inside one of their offices and you're going to hear about that on this program. It's Neil Stevens on Jack Rants with Modern Bankers. Here we go. Well, as I mentioned in the introduction, this is this is quite a special interview. I've known Neil Stevens for 25 years and uh, what a great banker he is and what a great leader and CEO he is. And that's what we're going to talk about today is his brand new book. But Neil, as I mentioned to you, um, I always like to start out with tell me something good. So tell me something good, Neil. Tell you something good. Well, the Georgia Bulldogs are 4-0. and <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, I know Jack Hubbard, and uh, I'm, I'm going to return that compliment. Um, you have been an inspiration to so many people, including myself, and just a master at teaching and coaching on sales. And uh, I still have notes from, from years past uh, at other banks that I've worked for um, that you've been there and, um, just, uh, your principles over the years have just been meaningful to me. So, uh, thank you for allowing me to be part of this. So, well, appreciate it. And as I mentioned in the introduction, Neil's son, Caleb, uh, is, uh, d- does a lot of work on the podcasting of, uh, South state bank, uh, correspondent division. And so that, uh, that apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. And, uh, so, uh, well, well, Neil, I, I want to get started and I want to talk about um, being essential because that's part of your mission statement and your values. The, the whole concept of Okani State Bank is to be essential in the lives uh, and businesses and communities that you serve. I, I'm just fascinated by the word essential, Neil. How did you come up with that and how do you live it every day? Well, Jack, I I tell you, we thought a lot about this and the way that came about is um, we started thinking, um, what is something in our lives that we can't, that we feel like life would not be the same if we didn't have X? For instance, for me, uh, my life would not be the same if I didn't have my cup of coffee in the morning. Uh, I think many people would argue uh, that uh, life would not be the same without Apple computers, without the iPhone, et cetera. And um, we thought, 
man, wouldn't it be cool if people would say life wouldn't be the same uh, if we didn't have Oconee State Bank in our life? And so we started thinking about that and we thought, well, that that's really the word we're describing there is being essential, being something that's absolutely necessary uh, for our customers. And that's how that word came about, is that we want to be that to those individuals so that if we um, if we were not here, that we would be uh, something in their life that would be, uh, you know, desperately missed. So that, that's how that came about. It's outstanding. And, and I know that through your leadership, you live that every day. And there's another thing that you live every day. You, you started the bank in 1960. So you've been around for, you know, 63 years, uh, which is a very, very nice run. But in 2020, and it's an interesting year to start this, you started something called the Remarkable Foundation. Talk about that and why this all came about. Yeah, so we had a heart to give back to the community. We've always had a heart to give back to the community. But we had a heart to start this foundation because we wanted to be very strategic in how we give our money. And we wanted to bring in more of our team members into those decisions. And so... We're constantly getting, you know, requests as all bankers do, you know, can you sponsor this $200 little league deal? Can you sponsor the hospital golf tournament, whatever it may be. But we thought let's be more strategic in that and let's create a foundation. And so we've done, we did that in 2020 and we, uh, we put together an employee board. In fact, JT Tomlin, who helped us produce this, our podcast, which I know we'll talk about later on, uh, is on that board. Um, but we uh, allow them to make decisions and vet the nonprofits. And um, basically that's what we do is in the communities that we serve, we're in five different communities and we allow uh, the uh, bankers in those communities and our employee board to make decisions on who we give back to in those communities. And we have 60%, a little over 60% of our team members uh, contribute to the foundation through payroll deduction, which I'm not really familiar that familiar with what other foundations do, but what I hear is that's pretty remarkable. It's it's pretty unheard of that that large of uh, employee base actually gives back to the foundation. So it's it's been good for us. It's small today, uh, but we're we're beginning to put more focus on it. About last month, I guess a month or so ago, we actually did an official launch due to COVID and all that. You know, it was just difficult to get it launched, but we did want to started in our 60th year in business but last month we we had an official launch and uh, it's gaining more and more traction so well those are the th the kinds of things that make it's really the essence of community banking and you you really do it well and i got to believe as part of the foundation and maybe outside of it your your bankers are very involved in community activities uh talk about that a little bit yeah, we uh, we have a heartbeat for the community and particularly young people today. Uh, they want to be involved not just with the company, but they want to be involved with a company that has a purpose beyond just profitability. We all know profitability is is, you know, using the word essential. It is essential. It's critical to our livelihood. But uh, what is the why beyond just the profit? What are we trying to do? And we use profit as the fuel to really fuel our vision and mission. And a big part of that vision and mission is giving back to the community. So we have 
many of our our team members serve on boards. Um, you know, we all we give financially, we give our resources, our time, our energy. Just yesterday, we were involved in a big uh, charity golf tournament where a number of our people uh, served by driving drink carts and setting up booths and tables and and things of that nature. So. Yeah, it's a big deal because it it really speaks to a purpose beyond profit. That's just outstanding. And you've mentioned the word remarkable a couple of times. And you do remarkable things. You do things differently than anybody else. I mentioned you and you were kind enough to send me a few slides uh, about what we're about to talk about, which is your remarkable studio. I don't know of any other community bank in the United States that actually has done this. So Neil is actually speaking from the uh, studio inside one of his offices in the attic of one of his offices. And you went about and you remodeled this whole thing, Neil, and you've created a remarkable st studio. Talk about that story and how you use the remarkable studio. Well, the idea uh, actually came uh, to, to give him credit from my son, Caleb. <laughs> He said, Dad, he said, you should think about starting a podcast. Um, he said, I think it would be a great way to prospect. He said, I think it would be a great way to get your name out there in the community uh, because of social media and the popularity of podcasts today and so many podcast listeners who are always looking for a good podcast. And so uh, JT Tomlin happened to be working with us and sort of mentioned that to JT he took the idea, began to run with it. He's very technical, and uh, we had a team of people who got involved with it. And so uh, JT actually, for very low dollar, helped build out this little studio space. It, it looks probably a lot uh, nicer and all than it actually costs. I mean, it, it's a, a pretty inexpensive deal, but it uh, it's worked well for us. And what we want to do is make our customer and our prospects the hero of the story. So what we do, we call this podcast, Make Your Remarkable. So we don't even mention Oconee State Bank when we have these podcasts. I mean, everybody knows that it's hosted by Oconee State Bank, but we don't talk about ourselves. We want to talk about the, the guests that we have on the show and highlight them and let them do the talking. And then we take it and blast it as best we can to all social media outlets uh, that they want us to and our own social media outlets to bring them attention and to spotlight them. And we think by doing that, if we do it authentically and in a real way that it will pay dividends back to us over time. Uh, and it's a sales call. I mean, how many times have you tried to get in the door of someone and you can't, you can't make that initial call, but if you call and say, Hey, Jack, I'd love for you to be on my podcast. I want to highlight your company and we're going to broadcast this out to, you know, our social media outlets and give you a copy of it, et cetera, et cetera. Typically the executives of that country, a company, it, it gets their attention and they would agree to be a part of it. And we don't hound them afterwards or anything like that, but I got to believe they may sit and think, well, my, my bank hasn't invited me to be on a, a podcast or done anything like this. So we're trying to think differently uh, we're trying to be thought leaders and, you know, not just market leaders, but thought leaders. And so that, that's sort of how that came about. So I guess I have to give Caleb the initial credit for that. So understand, folks, that Oconee State Bank is a community bank, several offices. 
And they have taken it upon themselves to do the kinds of innovative things that a bank can and very likely should be doing. Now, if you think the remarkable studio is the end of that story, you got another thing coming. So Neil sends me, and and by the way, the the uh, the inscription, Neil, again, is just brings tears to my eyes. But on Neil wrote this book, Leading on Life. So imagine this. Your CEO says, I'm writing a book. Now, it's not a huge book, and it's a very practical book. And I want to dive into this thing. But but first, Neil, I got to ask you, how did the idea come to you to write this book and, and walk us through this process? Well, I have always had a heart to pour into uh, leaders and to help develop leaders. That's just all because I had that happen. That was a big part of my success of my career is, is having leaders that poured into me and in, uh, in a way that was intentional. And um, I still have two or three very strong mentors uh, in my life that I still call and have breakfast or lunch with on a regular basis that still pour into me. And I'm 57 years old and been in this business now for, you know, 34 years. And so as I started thinking about uh, that, I would, I wanted to train our team in a consistent manner uh, or at least uh, uh, develop our leaders, I should say, in a consistent manner across our bank. And I wanted to make it specific to the bank. I looked this up. There are 3.6 million leadership books. So I, I suppose with this one, it makes 3,600,001. And so you ask the question, why? Why another leadership book? And really the main purpose of it is, is to, was to train our team. And, and we're taking our team through this now. And, um, and so the, you know, we got the, the four principles that are in the book, but Jack, the, the, the main thing that we're hoping to accomplish with it is to bring connection within our team. I mean, the principles in the book is, uh, they're very practical. They're sort of timeless principles that you're not going to read anything in there that's earth shattering or Nobel prize worthy or anything like that. Um, but, as we go through this as an executive team and as a leadership team in the bank, we split our teams up into small groups. My hope and prayer is that we develop leaders through the principles, certainly, but through the connection that they make with each other and the bond that they form. And we're, and I, I believe connection is the key to engagement. And we, when you got strong engagement, there's a lot, there's a lot of power behind that. Um, companies can go a long way when they're fully engaged. And you mentioned sales earlier, and of course, you and I are both salespeople, uh, always have been, always will be. So you talk about internally and how you're using the book. I'm curious if 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 your folks are are leaving this as a leave behind on business development calls. I got to believe they are. Well, it's interesting you should say that because just two days ago, uh, one of our uh, market presidents, one of our community presidents that runs a market. I uh, called my assistant and said, I want to get a stack of these books so that I can take them and leave them behind on sales calls. So that is just, it's interesting you should say that because one of our our, our team members, our our market leaders is doing that. And I just said, well, let, let, let the bank make the donation to our foundation. And that's what we're doing with this. It's not a uh, we're not selling the books. So we're, we're, you know, externally, we're giving them to people who make a $25 donation, but, 
In this case, the bank's going to make a $25 donation to the foundation and send this, this market president as many books as he wants. And if that helps him uh, get more sales, I mean, that is fantastic. And uh, when I heard that, I'm like, I hadn't thought of it in that light quite yet, but I'm like, that's a, that's a great idea and a really good lead behind. Um, so. Well, you think about it. So many bankers go out on sales calls and what do they leave behind? Uh, the annual report? Well, that's fine. Or some kind of collateral that people throw away. Um, why not leave them something that's going to have an impact on their lives? And this this book certainly does. So I open the book, and 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 of course, as you would expect, I've written a lot of notes and and underlined a lot of stuff. I got to read this quote because the book starts off in the very first paragraph. Now remember, this book is about leadership. But in the very first paragraph, I'll read you the sentence that Neil wrote, Follow, followership is not bestowed by a job title. It is earned by the person you are and the actions you take every day, your character and consistency. Those are absolutely brilliant words. Talk about leadership and followership and compare and contrast a little bit. Yeah, so obviously... You don't have a leader unless you have a follower um, in the sense of the word of, of managing people. I thought well, even even that, even if you're not managing people, there's leaders who don't even manage anyone who have followers. But you want to be a leader worth following. I think so many times in corporate America, uh, people follow a leader not because of um, – they're necessarily worth following following or not because they're inspiring, not because they're intentionally investing into their team. It's because of the title. They carry the title of vice president of marketing or, you know, CEO or chief lending officer or whatever that may be um, name the title and they're the boss. And so of course people are going to do what they say in order to protect their job and things of that nature. But the followership we're talking about in this book is to create the type that a, uh, a team member desires and wants to follow because they're following a leader that's worth following that they look up to, that they look up to their character, their competency, the way they invest in people, things of that nature. And that's really the premise of the, of the entire book. It's, it's, that's why it's called leading life on life. It's, it's about intentional investment in the lives of others. And, and you've come up with an acronym called LEAD, and I want to get to that. But, but in the book, you talk about two real key traits of leadership that really stand out for you, Neil. What are those and why are they so important? Yeah, so I, over the years, I've observed that great leaders have two common characteristics. I, there's many of them, I'm sure if we sat and thought about it, but two that really stand out to me is one, great leaders tailor their leadership to the individual. They're very intentional. So they don't manage Jack the same way they manage Joe uh, because Jack's, you know, it's like sales, right? I mean, it's like when you go into a, to a, to a situation, I mean, a CFO, uh, may be different than, uh, another CFO and you got to figure out, you know, how to, so I think that is, is, is the, is the one key that I've seen great leaders do. They don't blanket their leadership. Um, they tailor it 
in order to be very specific to the team member. The second thing that I've noticed is every great leader has a trustworthy operating system. They have a trustworthy process by which uh, and, and the way they lead and how they lead uh, is based on that process. And so that's the L-E-A-D. That's, those are the four principles is, is, is the process there. And, and, the, and the first that I mentioned is it relates to tailoring your leadership. That's the life on life part. That's the intentionality. And that's combined with that process, uh, those four, those, that acronym. Uh, but I, every great leader, I think, has those two common characteristics. Well, it's it, it's interesting you bring this up because uh, we were just talking at our banking school here today about when, when you hire someone, you really need to understand them as a total person. And I come to work for a very different reason than for other people. And when you talk about life on life, it's, it's really, if you think about it, life in life, because I have a life as a banker. I have a life as a, as a father and a, a grandfather, et cetera. And those, those really are very, very intertwined. And when you talk about trustworthy, Neil, and I'd love to have you comment on both of these. When you talk about trustworthy, the word congruence comes up to me. Life is all about say, do. I can say anything to you that I want, but if I say it and then I do it, I'm a congruent individual, which builds trust with me as a leader. And now I'm willing to follow you. I'm curious your comments on those. Oh, I could not agree more. I'd put a big old stamp of uh, of approval on both of those comments. I mean, I, th I think that's what I'm getting at, too, when we talk about creating followership. People follow. You're not going to follow someone you don't trust. You may do what they say to do because they're the boss and you want to keep your job, but you're not truly following them unless you trust them. And I think trust is something you're right, that that's earned over time, but it's not just saying, you know, it's not just telling or saying it's putting it in action and backing up what you do with a level of authenticity. And look, I'm far from perfect. Uh, we all are, we all make mistakes. We all fail. I think any leader who doesn't admit that, I mean, they're living in a bubble or, you know, or they got a big ego or something. Um, you know, we all make mistakes, we all fail, but, and I think that's part of being trustworthy is, is admitting that, you know, we fail too, you know, as a leader, I, I make mistakes every day. Um, but, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, Building trust is is uh, is massive as it relates to creating followership. So building trust, uh, I, I I get it, but help me be more specific. And you are because you put together the lead process: mm -hmm. love, equip, affirm, and develop. That's what lead is. I'd mm -hmm. love you to, and we can't go through everyone because you don't have the time. But talk about each one of these as it relates to uh, life on life. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit them all very high level. So love, let's take the first. Uh, and all this has to you know, center around, like I said, life on life. It's intentionality. It's one-on-one uh, -on -one time. But love is uh, loving others, uh, loving your team. And it's a verb, okay? So it's not a feeling. You know, get that out of your minds. It's not a feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a verb. It's an action. 
So in the book, we get into eight everyday action steps and how you show love. And safety is one. Uh, discerning compensation is one. Uh, intentional listening and communication is one. So we get into those. But it's demonstrating love through the way you treat others uh, and, the, and the actions that you take. Um, I think that's the most important and the majority of the book is, is devoted to that, that one because it's so critical. Um, the second is equip. And, uh, I think as a leader, we are charged with equipping our team, having a, a Jack Hubbard come in, for example, uh, to do sales training for your team is that's part of equipping. It's giving them the tools. It's giving them the resources. It's giving them the, uh, the confidence, um, uh, in order to prepare them to win, right? So it, it, it's, it's more than just giving the tools. It's teaching them how to use the tools. It's, it's situational, how to use those tools in certain situations. It's preparing them with the mindset, um, but it's equipping them to be successful. Um, we get into those things in, in the book and what that means. And then the A is affirmation. And of course, we need to be affirming our team when they do things well. But when you think about affirmation, it's also, uh, it's also creating the environment by which your team will hold themselves and each other accountable. Um, we all have to have results, and accountability is important. But we want to uh, create an environment that, that our team owns their actions because we affirm them. I'll, I'll give you a great quick example. Um, I was on a sales call with a guy named Lawson Forrester. This has been years and years ago. He was with, when I was at CNS National Bank back in 19, had to be 1990 uh, when, when I was there, maybe 92. But um, we went on a sales call. I was a young sales officer and I flubbed it up. I mean, I was not prepared. I mean, I had not taken the Jack Hubbard sales training. I was, I was driving back and uh, Lawson didn't say a word to me. And I knew he had a high standard. And we got back to the office and um, I thought I was going to get away with this. And Lawson hadn't said a word. And I walked in my office and he walked in right behind me and closed the door. But here's what he said. He said, Neil, he said, how do you think that went? And I said, that was bad, Lawson. I didn't do very well. He said, well, I would agree with you on that point. And he said, um, you're good at what you do. He said, you, you have a lot of talent, Neil. He said, we would not have hired you had you not had the talent. And he said, I know you can do better. And he said, tell me some things that on this particular call you could have done better. And I told him. And after the end, he said, tomorrow we got a sales call at 2 o'clock. He said, are you going to be ready for that one? And I said, yes, sir, Mr. Forrester, I will. And it went really well the next day. But Lawson allowed me to own my, you know, my actions and take responsibility for those actions and hold myself accountable in a way that was affirming. He did not jump all over me and tell me what a bad job I did and beat me down or anything like that. So that's what affirmation really gets into there. And then finally develop uh, our team. And some say, well, what's the difference in equipping and develop? Uh, I would say that equipping is skill building and develop is more people building. So it's career success. It's a blueprint. Our team, every one of our team members needs to know they have a path, you know, uh, for success. If they want my job one day, uh, what does that look like? What do they have to do to get there? And we, it's our responsibility to be building that bench strength and to be building that d development plan. And so 
I think that's uh, uh, an important part. So uh, those are the four, uh, love others, equip others, uh, affirm others, and develop others. And um, the last chapter gets into the glue that holds it all together, and that's the connection that a team must have to be successful. So um, that, I, I think that's the, that's the operating system that, uh, that we use here at the bank. It's amazing. I'm curious about two audiences. Um, one is the board of directors. Uh, and being on the board myself, uh, our bank gets us very engaged in, in a lot of what's going on in the bank. We don't, we, we're strat strategic, not, not uh, tactical. Um, so that's one audience. The second audience is I'm, I'm a brand new banker. I could be a teller, a personal banker, a branch manager. This book really has meaning for both of those constituencies. I'm curious how you integrate the book and your process into the board and in brand new employees. Yeah, I, it's uh, the same principles uh, for sure. Uh, I think the presentation and the... Um, the way those principles are uh, communicated uh, differ vastly from those two groups. Um, and uh, I'll try to give an example uh, the best I can. So a board, for example, most of those, uh, much like yourself, I mean, they're business owners, they're, they're seasoned professionals in their, in their trade. They probably have, uh, you know, uh, some battle scars because they've been around the block a time or two. Otherwise they would probably not be asked to be on a bank board. Uh, so probably the level of complexity uh, and the situations that those individuals deal with uh, are much, much greater just because of their years of experience and their, their position and status and things that they, they are involved with. And so you may take those principles and, uh, tailor those to more specific things that they deal with on a regular basis. Whereas a brand new employee coming out of college, I mean, they don't know if they even want to stay in banking. I mean, they, they may say, I'm going to give this a try. I don't really know what this is all about. And so for them, we just want to model. Uh, we just want to help them, uh, uh, you know, see maybe how to treat their customers, how to treat the people around them, um, the way we go about our business every day, uh, the, the DNA of our organization follows those little four principles and helps to get them indoctrinated in who we are. Um, so it probably for them is more specific, um, and a more of a basic level on, um, you know, how to implement those, those things in, in their life. So that's probably the best way I know how to answer that. Uh, we have had a number of companies uh, outside of the bank who have asked, you know, for copies of the book, they've given to the foundation and a real close friend of mine who has done very well financially is volunteering his time, uh, to lead roundtable sessions for some of these companies. And right now we're doing some test runs with companies, but we're taking companies through these, this book, uh, in eight sessions, uh, we break these sessions up and, like love, there's two parts of loving others because there's eight principles. We do four and four and equipping as a session, you know, the end connection is a session. There's an introduction. There's a recap at the end of the book. And so we're gaining some traction there uh, just because um, these particular uh, companies, uh, you know, are yearning for uh, 
a, a system. And I think they have found this to be beneficial to them. And I'm in no way trying to be a leadership guru or expert uh, in this. It's just principles that I think have worked for us and things that I've learned from others. So that's another audience um, that we're using this book to, uh, you know, to, to hopefully help uh, as time goes on. So I'm curious. And, about- and, and, and I'll ahead. add one more, one more thing quickly as it relates to the internal employee. We are, we're putting our, our team in groups where an executive leadership team member facilitates the discussion. There's probably seven or so people uh, in, in these five to seven people in these small groups. An executive leadership team member uh, leads the discussion, but we're putting individuals in those groups that aren't necessarily all executive level or, or senior level people. Uh, one, we may have some a part-time person in a group, or we may have a... Um, you know, a market leader in the same group, along with a personal banker in the same group. And so my hope is, is that they all learn from each other. And uh, that's another beauty of creating connection uh, among the entire, entire bank. So. Well, it's so interesting. If I'm a CEO of a bank or an executive of a bank, I go, yeah, I like this idea. I like writing a book. I think there's so many applications to it. But where do you find the time? I'm, I'm curious how long it took you, Neil, to write the book and, and how you were able to find the time to, to do this with all of the responsibilities you have. Well, I, that's, a, that's a great question. It took about two years, um, probably about four years if you count the times that I just took copious notes. Um, but it took about two years and I came up with a document that was probably about I don't, I, I want to say it was nearly 200 pages. I want to say it was like 198 pages of, of, uh, you know, typewritten on word. Um, and, um, I have a, a friend that goes to my church and I said, uh, and he actually has done some ghost writing for a number of, uh, of a number of individuals. And I said, well, you take a look at this and tell me what you think. I said, I'm using it for training material. And he came back and he said, Neil, he said, this is great stuff. He said, but he said, it really is. And he said, but all this could be said in uh, less than a hundred pages. He said, uh, you know, he said, he, he said, we can cut this way down because there's a lot of redundancy and things of that nature. So we worked together. Uh, Jack, I would probably tell you for uh, six months, maybe, maybe four months, four to six months calling this down and we had weekly calls and we would talk through it. And then uh, I have to give Christy Donahue credit uh, in our bank and Casey Reese, uh, my assistant, they were both um, Christy's an English major and editing is her strong suit. And she spent hours editing, making sure every comma was right and, and things of that nature. Uh, the English language just flows from her like river, like a river flowing, you know, it's just unbelievable. And then uh, Casey is a graphics design major, so she helped with the graphics. And then J.T. Tomlin actually helped create the book cover. Uh, so, and and, and uh, ideas surrounding that. So all these individuals work countless hours. So I have to give all of them credit, you know, for making this come to fruition. While it's my thoughts and ideas, and you know, that I all put together, um, a number of people help make this what it is. And so therefore. Uh, you know, if I'd have had to do all by myself, number one, it would have not been 
as uh, eloquent. It wasn't been as nicely stated, uh, the written word, and I'd, I'd still be working on page one because you're right. There's uh, there, there was a time commitment. Yeah, it takes a village, Neil. Uh, uh, just a couple more questions. You know, I respect you as much as any community bank president I've ever known. And you you have a real good sense of this industry being out there and you go to conferences and things like that. Where's Community Bank headed uh, going forward? Yeah, you know, I get asked that a lot. And I think there's always going to be community banking. I don't think it's ever going away. However, I do believe that it's going to be those community banks who um, uh, willingly embrace technology that um, think futuristically beyond just today. I think those banks that are uh, absolutely relentless on finding top talent um that they hire and and not just saying that they do but i mean absolutely backing it up with hiring top talent uh i think one of the key things those that create strong leaders within their organization and grow their leaders in a remarkable way i mean it's, i think that's going to be key in the backbone of any organization is leadership i think those are the ones that will survive um I think if you're not thinking in that direction, I think at some point in time, a board is going to get frustrated because they don't see the growth path or the growth potential. And the bank will probably end up, um, you know, having to sell in order to you know, create the shareholder value they want to create. Uh, we're blessed in that we have a, a very patient board and, you know, and we've got a plan to continue to grow the bank uh, for several years down the road but I feel like what's going to make that happen is our ability to execute. And it all hinges around getting great talent and a great culture with great leadership, not just CEO level, but I mean, throughout the entire organization and in thinking differently and being a thought leader uh, and be, being willing to embrace change and, um, you know, get out of the stale. I mean, banks historically have been very stale in terms and slow to adopt new things. And yes, we've got regulators and we have things we have to be cognizant of as it relates to a risk and things of those, things of that nature. But at the same time, we've got to be willing to embrace the future. Think back several years. I mean, you know, if, if 15 years ago, how different, if we were still thinking the way we did 15 years ago, I mean, we, we never would have survived. And I think the banks that think differently today, the things that we're working on today are things that we hope to implement two, three years from now. The things that are happening today, we thought about two or three years ago. And so I think it's constantly uh, keeping your eye on the future uh, and embracing, uh, embracing change. But there will still be consolidation. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. I think that we're in, I mean, I think that will continue and banks will continue to shrink. Uh, but those who want to survive, I think can, if they are willing to think differently and be thought leaders and hire the best people they possibly can hire and, and, and create great leaders in their organizations. So that's my take on it. Well, Oconee state bank, hired a great leader when they brought you on, Neil. 
And well, that's kind. Thank you. This and it's true. And and this book is is truly outstanding. And I know there are people out there who say, I'd love to get a copy of this. And you should, you should read it. So what I heard is, you want a copy of this book? Make a donation, $25 donation to the uh, Remarkable Foundation. But the last question then, Neil, is how can people get a hold of you so they can talk to you about the book, make a donation, and and pick your brain a little bit? Absolutely. I'd love to talk about it. In uh, Stevens, in uh, no dot there, just N Stevens with a V, S-T-E-V-E-N-S, at Oconee, and I'll spell that, O-C-O-N-E-E, OconeeStateBank.com, N Stevens at OconeeStateBank.com. Email me, uh, you know, I'll share my my number with you. You can share your number with me, however we want to connect. And, um, yeah, it we don't profit from this. It's not a money grab in any respect. It all goes to the foundation, but the hope is, is that we help, we're able to help others. And that's, that's where I get my joy in charge every day is to be able to help, help others because I've had so many people uh, in my life that have, that have helped me along the way. Absolutely. Uh, it does take a village. Well, God bless you, Neil, Neil Stevens. I appreciate your time and uh, all the best to you and Oconee State Bank and your team and, and certainly your, your tremendous family. Thanks for your time. Thank here. you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to this episode of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers with my good friend, Neil Stevens. This and every program is brought to you by our friends at RELPRO and Vertical IQ. Join us next time for more special guests bringing you marketing, sales, and leadership insights, as well as ideas that will provide your bank or credit union that competitive edge you need to succeed. This LinkedIn Live show is also a podcast. Subscribe and get the latest Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, and don't forget to leave us a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and several others. Visit our website too. It's themodernbanker.com for more information. And don't forget to sign up for our free public library at themodernbanker.com slash public library. And as I say at the close of every program, make today and every day a great client day. <laughs>